Super Talk Mississippi media production. And now it's Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Brought to you by AGJ Systems and Networks on Super Talk 103.1 FM. Welcome to Coast View, the show that celebrates every single day the amazing people who make this such a great place to live, work, and play. Hey, in the first part of the show today, we're going to focus on the legislature one weekend uh, today. And uh, we're going to have a great conversation with Senator Jeremy England. And then uh, in the second half, actually, we're going to check in with Blake Moeller. Uh, Blake Moeller is the young woman from Ocean Springs who's playing professional volleyball. She was playing in Germany. Now she's in Switzerland. She was home for the holidays. I actually got to see her at church. And uh, we're going to check in with Blake to see what it's like to be in Switzerland playing professional volleyball. What a, what a terrific story that is. But anyway, without any further ado, let's move over to my friend, good friend and frequent guest of Coast View, uh, Senator Jeremy England from essentially, you know, the I, I, how do you say it? The, the eastern part of the coast, District 51. How you doing, Jeremy? Right. Hey, doing good, Ricky. Thanks for having me on today. It's good to see you. Uh, boy, I mean, we got, we hit the ground running. I've described in my recent conversations with Delbert Hoseman and, and Speaker Gunn that this is, you know, in my history, and I've, you know, been involved in, in media here in the state for many, 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 many years. It's one of the more consequential uh, legislative sessions that we've ever had. Uh, you feel the same way, don't you? I do, yes. Yeah, it, it's a very important session for us all. I like the way Jeff Pender used to work for the Sun Herald. He works at Mississippi Today today. But uh, the way he described it, uh, I thought was pretty terrific. He said the old saying around the Mississippi Capitol, when the state has no money, lawmakers fuss and fight. When the state has lots of extra money, lawmakers really fuss and fight. But, man, we're talking about uh, a surplus. Uh, and when you consider all the other money of around $4.2 billion, man, have you ever seen anything like this before? No, I haven't. And, and I'll tell you, in government, there's nothing that worries me more uh, than one-time money. You know, we saw it after Hurricane Katrina. You see folks go use one-time money, and it can come back and bite you. You know, we've got projects that were 10 to 15 years, uh, done 10 to 15 years ago, and now the maintenance is due on that, and the one-time money is gone. So we've got to be very careful with, with how we spend this money. Yeah, we always talked about that, too, really. Um, we would have, in the corporate world, we would have what we call capital allocations, where we could go it's one-time money. We could spend that capital. But then we had to think about, okay, what are the long-term ramifications of spending that capital, not only on depreciation, but on the ongoing costs associated with whatever that piece of equipment or whatever it was we were going to use that capital money for? you got to be really careful because you can really, in this particular case, I think the money that, that, that we, it, you know what, I could actually say that this is also one-time money because the you got an increase in state taxes that came as a result of COVID. Now, some of that was related to the to the uh, stimulus money. Some of that was re re related to the how we ramp back up again. But to what extent can we depend on that going forward? I'm sure that w worries you as well, huh? It, it does. I mean, we've got to be very careful with what we do now, especially when it comes to uh, changes that we make to tax the tax structure and and looking at revenue as it currently sits versus how it's going to sit several years from now you know and, and look ricky being a being a, a fiscal conservative being fiscally conservative means you're smart with your money in my opinion and we've got to look at this and, and look at all uh, all avenues uh, and all pros and cons uh, of this so if you look at the list and boy this is this the list is really long uh 
But you've got issues like redistricting. You've got this whole income tax, state income tax debate. Some want to eliminate it completely. Some want to do at least some tax cuts. And so you got this whole issue around the the, uh, the ballot initiative and needing to fix that and the Supreme Court ruling relative to that that put medical marijuana out there hanging and you got to solve that teacher pay raise. I mean, literally, the list goes on and on. But before we go to any of that, let's do a real quick uh, civics lesson. Um, we've got... Let's, let's let's describe. Essentially, we have we have uh, two parts of the Mississippi legislature. One is 122 members, which is part of the what is essentially referred to as the lower uh, house of representatives, and then the upper Senate is uh, 52 members. Mm -hmm. You guys, uh, you know, you're required to meet. You can have special sessions as well. But why don't you kind of tell people sort of what the requirement is, what the what the what the role of the one of the one of, I, I've often said that the governor role in Mississippi is very weak constitutionally. Mm -hmm. He can he can decide when the special sections session is going to be. He can decide administrative heads, et cetera. But really, the lieutenant governor and the House of Speaker of the House have a lot of power in this state. But why don't you kind of fill in some of those blanks? Okay. Yeah, I'm glad to do that, Ricky. And look, I did that for our senior pages here yesterday. You know, they're they're really excited to be here and 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 looking forward to things. And uh, so, what we have here, we have we have two houses, as you mentioned. The House has 122 members, and the Senate has 52 members. Uh, as a senator, I represent uh, between about 50 to 55,000 people, and your House members are going to represent about half of that. So they represent smaller districts, and some would say they're smarter because they get paid the same to uh, to represent smaller areas. So there, and there's something to that, I'm sure. But um, what we what we do, the, the Constitution requires us to to get started uh, the first Tuesday after the first Monday in January at noon, which we did this past week. Um, you know, we gaveled in and what we do now, what we're doing as senators and, and the House is doing the same. We're we're going through bills that we've requested and we're hearing from other people about new bills they want to be requested. Uh, we'll take that. We go to our legislative services department. They help us draft all of the bills and they're very, very smart with that. They know the code better than a, than a lot of us do. Um, and then they'll hand us our bills and then we have to drop them. And when I say drop a bill, we literally go to the to the dais and, and drop this bill into a box. Looks like a suggestion box. Uh, from there, the lieutenant governor's staff will take it uh, and will um, assign each bill to a committee or two committees or in some cases three committees. Um, and, and what happens after that point, uh, we will meet in committees. This will happen in the coming weeks, okay? So this is, uh, and a lot of your debate happens in committees. And, and we've got a thing now where, where we're able to broadcast those committees. So I'd encourage people to watch that process. You know, it's referred to as the sausage being made uh, in the legislature. But, uh, you know, it's very interesting. And a lot of your, your best debate is going to happen in those committees. If a bill, and, and look, we have a deadline uh, to, uh, to get uh, the, for the committees to report. And it's, it's quick. That's Tuesday, February 1st. The whole system moves very quickly. Um, so uh, if a bill is not reported out of committee, it, it's dead. It dies, it's, it's called it dies in committee. And the system, Ricky, is designed, as you know, to kill bills because we have thousands of bills submitted every year. And, and at the end of the day, we only have a hundred or so that probably make it through the whole process. Um, but after that committee process, after a bill passes committee, it will go onto our calendar. Then we have a deadline to bring it up and debate it in the in the chamber. Uh, and if it doesn't get brought up and doesn't get debated, it dies on the calendar. 
uh, of the ones that we do bring up and that we do debate in the in the entire chamber, uh, you know, only a handful of those are going to pass the vote. And and then so that once we've done that part on our bills, uh, we bills that pass the Senate will then go to the House and go through the same process. They'll be referred to committees. Uh, they'll they'll either make it out of the committees or they won't, and then they'll be debated over there. And we do the same thing. Uh, the House bills uh, that that come through. Uh, it has to be by it has to come off of the floor by February 23rd. So again, a very quick moving process. Uh, after that point, we'll take the House bills. We'll look at them in committee. Uh, we'll pass them onto the calendar, uh, and then we'll get them on our calendar. We'll debate them again. And of those that make it through, they go to the governor. Um, you know, if they're passed, or look, Rick, I, I want to mention this too because this is very important, and we'll, this will happen later on in the session. If if the House makes a change to one of our bills, or if we make a change to one of the House bills, the, the, the entire chamber can either adopt that change or the bill will go to conference, which is called, you know, sending a bill to conference. Then you'll have three senators and three House members will look at that change, make recommendations, and then that bill will need to pass both houses again before uh, it goes to the governor. So it's a very tedious process. And to only have to ha only have 90 days to do all of this, it, it it requires us to be on our toes and of course you throw COVID into the situation where we don't know you know who who's going to be available who might be uh, on quarantine um you, you know it's a very um a very a process that makes it seem like the days are very long um but but we in the at the end we get it done and we get good bills uh this way what makes this year so complicated is the amount of federal money that has to be spent or at least some direction What's, what's, uh, what's interesting about this is I should point out that we've had a series of lieutenant governors who have been Republican. And in the case of D Delbert Hoseman, he took office on, let's see, January the 9th, 2020. But in the case of Speaker Gunn, this is the first time in a very long time <laughs> that we've had a Republican speaker. So for the first time in a long time, since January 3rd, 2012, we've, had a, we've been, been in a pretty interesting position where Republicans have basically controlled things. Now, what I... What I like about what I've seen here in the state, as opposed to what happens on the on the national scale, and um, uh, Speaker Gunn and I talked about this, is that we actually are able to find bipartisan support on a lot of things. There's a lot of effort that's taken to try to find bipartisan. It's not just voting the party line, uh, although that does happen, and certainly there are going to be big debates about policy and direction that are down the party lines, but there have been a lot of effort. And I think some successes, for, for that matter, to, to get bipartisan votes along the way. Um, when we come back, though, I want to start the next segment with uh, Senator Jeremy England and talk a little bit about how the speaker comes to the table with his set of priorities, the governor comes to the table with his set of priorities, and, the, and Lieutenant Governor Delbert Hoseman will come with his set of priorities. And it will be interesting. One of the things to watch in this session will be to what extent can they find some common ground on the big stuff. We'll see more about that after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. 
We're back uh, with uh, Senator Jeremy England, and we were just talking about the legislative process and why this year is going to be so unique and very consequential in a lot of ways. But when we went to break, we were talking about each of the major leaders, the Speaker of the House, the Lieutenant Governor, and the Governor, come to the legislative session, especially this year with so much federal, one-time federal money to spend, with different sort of ideas about how this is going to work. And I should point out that uh, even though we have three Republican leaders that are leading this state now, they have often been at odds with one another. Um, I mean, w there's probably not been a better example than that, uh, than medical marijuana. Um, so uh, why, don't, why is that, Jeremy? Yeah, well, you know, each of these individuals, uh, particularly the governor and lieutenant governor, you know, they're elected statewide. Uh, the Speaker of the House, he is elected by his own individual district, uh, but then has to be elected by the House members to be Speaker. And look, they bring their priorities with them. You know, they they have heard from constituents just the same as I have. And, and so they have different ideas of how how things should work, how 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 involved the government should be in certain aspects or are not involved in certain aspects. So it's a, um, you know, again, with them bringing each of their own priorities, they're going to have to have to find common ground with each other on that. It, you know, and that's where you mentioned bipartisanship before we got to the break. Um, you know, the system is it should bring as many ideas to the table as possible. Uh, let us debate those ideas and 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 hopefully we come up with good good bills and good uh, statutes here for Mississippians. So on the on the medical marijuana bill specifically, uh, do you think that's going to get get rounded out and, and passed pretty quickly? What's your current thinking on that? Yeah, I think we're going to bring that up in the Senate uh, maybe this week. Uh, you know, last week a bill wasn't dropped, but what that means is that there's still negotiations going on between the lieutenant governor and the speaker and the and the governor and, and individual members here in the legislature. Uh, you know, I've expressed some concerns that I have with the bill, and I've also let them know of, of parts of the bill that I think are, are great. And look, that's the legislative process. You know, the initiative process we, we that we have, and it needs to be addressed um, hopefully this session, uh, it's different than that. What What we have now we have a statute that we're going to be looking at and we're going to be debating it and we're going to be debating that based on what our constituents are telling us. Uh, and, and in my opinion, Ricky, I think we need to come up with a law that that kind of eases us into this medical marijuana program. And, and but what I mean by that is if we go, uh, you know, if we jump head first into this thing and go full in the deep end, it's it's a lot harder to wind that back up than it is for us to later on come back and, and release something and, and, and wind it out. Uh, so, and I think that's what we're looking at. But look, we've got got a lot of negotiations going on up here. Uh, we're going to have some good good heated debate on the floor. It's going to be it's going to be one to watch. So, folks need to tune in uh, and and see how the government works. But uh, but I think we're going to have a bill um, very soon. That's one of our top priorities here in the Senate. Do you think the governor? Uh, is going to be on board with whatever the negotiations are between the House and the Senate. You know, I'm not sure, but but that's up to him. You know, we he has the ability to veto any bill we send him. But uh, I will say, look, it's our job to to legislate. We are the legislature. We have debate here, uh, and if we send him a bill to his desk, it's been it's been thoroughly vetted through the entire system, and he can decide to sign it uh, or not. He can sign. He can decide to veto it or not. That's up to him. Um, I think. Uh, when a when a bill hits his desk and, and when he looks at it, look, the people of Mississippi have spoken. I think he's going to end up uh, allowing what we pass to become law. I'm I'm hopeful, anyways. Okay, so you get to the you get to the 
point about this, the ballot initiative, which mm -hmm. obviously is something that has to be fixed. Mm -hmm. uh, fixing that just just the, the, the issue was and what the Supreme Court ruling was had to do with the way that the uh, districts were laid out and they were not in sync and they threw it out based on those on those uh, grounds. But essentially what's going to happen now, though, is there's a push toward the solution being that when a citizen ballot initiative occurs, it's going to be more uh, a statute as opposed to constitutional. You agree with that approach? You know what I do, Ricky? Uh, look, as a constitutional conservative, I think that the Constitution needs to be a framework that we work within. I don't think the Constitution needs to be amended in a way that, that specifically mentions a product uh, like marijuana or specifically requires us to to fund certain programs and not fund other programs. That's 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 what our statutes are for, and that's what we're for. Now, I do like the idea of the people having the ability, if the legislature is not responding to something that they want, uh, they can go do it. And But but it needs to be in the statute, I think. And, and I do think there needs to be a safeguard for people to be able to pass that. Maybe the legislature can't touch it for a, a, a period of, of two or three years or so before we go amending what, uh, what the people vote on in an initiative. But it does need to be in the statute. It's so tough to change change something in the Constitution. Uh, if we get something wrong uh, through the initiative process, it could it could really uh, be devastating on, on, a, on a certain program here in the state. Yeah, I've heard that argument many times, and I actually think that's one of the, more, the most valid argument, for a matter of fact, and that is that once something becomes part, literally part of the Constitution, man, that is a hard, hard thing to make adjustments to. And if people should think about it this way, then when a bill is passed, it's never intended to be the final result. We're always going to have to go back in there and make tweaks to it. Times change, things change. You either you sometimes you may completely eliminate what that bill created, and sometimes you may make tweaks to it. But you need to give the legislature the power to, to constantly, uh, you know, adjust to the to, to the situation, whatever it's going to be. But I mean, rarely, man. I mean, rarely do you do you find a bill being perfect the first time out, do you? That, that's right. And look, our forefathers, I think, had it right when they set up a representative form of government for us. You know, we represent the people and we debate the bills and, and the statutes that go into our our statutory law as opposed to the, the Constitution. I'll tell you exactly how hard it is. If you want to change a bill, if you want to change a statute, a lot of those just take 50 percent of the houses. And then again, it goes through that same process I discussed earlier. If you want to change the Constitution, it takes two thirds of the members of both houses and the governor signing it. I'm sorry, I don't think the governor has that. It takes two thirds of, the, of both houses and then it goes back to the referendum to the people and it has to pass by a certain percentage. So it's, it's very difficult to change the constitution whereas we can change a statute uh, easily. Now it's got to go through the same process. It's got to go through the debate uh, but it's much, much easier than changing the constitution. What people typically see, the average you know, person watching the legislature, if you convened as you pointed out, a lot of the work happening today is happening in the committees, and people can watch those, as you pointed out, if they want to. And that's a great way to kind of understand the process is watch what happens on those committees. But as those bills start to come out and then they get into each of the house, each of the house and the Senate and they do their debates and pass or don't pass. And if they do pass, it goes to the other body and so on. But what we see, this is kind of a quiet time. It's not a quiet time for you guys because you're, you're engaged in the committees and you're doing all of that. But for the average sort of person, um, a lot of stuff's happening behind the scenes right now as these bills are, are written up and dropped, as you pointed out, and the committees say grace over them. And with so many things on the agenda, man, there is no rest for the weary for a legislator these days, is there? 
There's not. Look, it's a, um, you know, I wake up early and I stay up late. Uh, and, and right now, while before bills are being dropped, we're talking mainly issues. Uh, uh, this week, uh, we'll start talking about bill numbers and actual bills, and we'll start getting emails and start hearing from people on these things. So, um, you know, the, the way the process works, it keeps us busy. Again, we, I mean, shoot, we've got we've to have our bills dropped by January 17th. I mean, that's next Monday. Uh, if it doesn't get dropped, it's, we've got to wait another year on it. Um, so, right. so it's a it's a it's a very tight schedule that we have. Um, but I think it helps us produce better laws uh, the way it works. Jeremy, you're you're what you do in your real world is you're a lawyer. That's right. That helps you, don't you? That doesn't. I mean, help the fact that you practice law every single day. And the the training to be a lawyer and understanding the process, et cetera, you you kind of got a leg up on someone who doesn't have a law degree. Do you ever feel that way? I, I do. Uh, now, there are some folks that have been here that have served long enough that they probably deserve a law degree because they've been here right. uh, for that long, uh, even if they're not lawyers. But you know, like just just this morning, I was discussing a bill with uh, with one of someone in our legislative services, and I told him, I said, "Why don't we word it this way?" And he said, "You know what? That's a really good you know that's a really good way to word that." So just having the legal background and, and understanding how the law reads, and how look when I get a bill that's drafted by legislative services, I read it as someone that's going to attack it from the very very start. So I try to I try to make my language tight, uh, and I'm able to do that based on the fact that you know I read law as a profession and. That's um, that's been very helpful. How do you practice law during the legislative session? Well, a lot of times I feel like I'm I'm uh, trying to put out a fire with a squirt gun, you know, because we've got uh, got so much going on here as well. But um, you know, I just you have to make time. You know, it's it's like having two full time jobs right now, uh, both of them being equally as important. But I'll tell you another thing. I think I mentioned this before on your show that that being a lawyer helps me. You know, we have thousands of bills that get dropped, right? Just like I have a big portfolio of cases that I work. For me, there's a lot of cases, but for that one person that's involved in that case or for the one person that's looking at that one bill, that's the most important thing in the world. And I have to treat it that way, every single one of them. So, um, you know, that's been helpful, but I do get some work done uh, on occasion. It, it, it's, um, I'm able to do that. Well, look, what we'll do, let's, we'll come back together in a couple of weeks. And uh, we, we previously talked about some of your priorities you know, as a legislator. We'll, we'll remind people what those priorities are. And we'll uh, kind of see where we are in terms of the committees and some of the deadlines you talked about today. But you, you do a, you're a really good communicator about the process. And I appreciate you spending some time with us today. I'm glad to do it. Look, I'm, I'm extremely honored to serve the people of District 51. Good for you. Hey, go enjoy some time in the outdoors. Absolutely. <laughs> see you soon, man. Thank you, uh, when we come back, we'll have Blake Muller from Switzerland. We'll see you after this. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.